Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. But it is that time of the week when we look back at all the trending stories and those that went viral. And I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Paul, Business Affairs Correspondent with the Irish Times. Mark, great to see you. We want to start off with the, the weather and there's nothing we like more in this country than talking about the weather. It's now, we're now into a weekend of status yellow alerts. Now, these temperatures are nowhere near what's happening across Europe. No, they're not. I mean, look, I think the weather out there is just actually quite pleasant. I just cycled through the city centre and the most noticeable thing about it wasn't the heat, it wasn't the sun shining down my back, it was the smell of weed in Dublin city centre. <laughs> so I think that's uh, I, I think that's really a feature now of Irish heat waves uh, uh, is, uh, is 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 everybody seems to spark up joints. Um, look, the, the the weather warning has been extended until uh, Monday morning, it looks like. So look, we're in for a nice weekend of it. As you say, it's a national pastime to talk about the weather, to obsess about the weather, even when the weather isn't particularly remarkable, as it isn't now. Um, and uh, and we'll keep talking about it until it changes and it goes bad. And then we'll complain about that too. Um, so look, it, it is just, but look, it does. I think sometimes people, there is a realisation now that the Irish media can't keep reporting the weather in jolly terms all of the time. You know, I mean, Laura Slattery, for example, did a piece in the Irish Times last week, taking um, taking a Mickey out of this and saying, you know, we were all in 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 the in the in the grip of big gelato. Um, and really, you've got to set it in the context, I suppose, of climate change. Um, I mean, there's wildfires raging in southwest France, across Greece, across Spain, across Italy. So what, you know, I mean, if we get twenty eight or twenty nine degrees um, on our little uh, Atlantic fringe island, so be it. Uh, it's not a huge story for the rest of the world, but it is for us. Brianna Parkins, journalist, is great to see you as well. You probably know that we love talking about the weather, but I think you're probably sick and tired of us talking about the weather. I mean, I met up with a fellow Australian today and we just like are mystified at the weather warnings when it hits over 27. We're like, that is just an ordinary spring day for us. Um, but it's interesting to watch, you know, this concern around drought, people talking around drought and, and Irish water. We saw Irish water sort of sort of say that 32 of their water supplies would potentially be in drought and that's that means water restrictions. And it's just so weird for us because I was in a 10-year drought. I remember growing up, I remember seeing my aunt having to shoot cattle because you just couldn't feed them. There was no great grass on the ground. You couldn't order in hay bales. So it's really interesting to see maybe Ireland have to wrestle with these challenges about there maybe not being as much water as there used to be in the future and having to having to build up water reservoirs and supplies. But again, just very weird to watch people panicking for what is for me a normal spring, not even summer, a normal spring. Uh, look, it shows up the lack of water infrastructure that we have as well. You know, I mean, you, you think in, in an island like this in the edge of the Atlantic Ocean where it seems to rain um, 75% of the time that we'd have the greatest water supplies on Earth. Um, but we don't because it all leaks out into the ground because the infrastructure is creaking um, um, and the other thing, of course, that an Irish heat wave shows up is the um, is the, the the preponderance of fashion crimes amongst Ireland. I'm one of them today. I mean, I mean, I'm sitting here wearing shorts, and I don't usually. And if anybody was here and they could see us, they'd know why. Um, so I think that's something probably that Brianna, I guess, noticed it, as it's well. Not, you, you haven't ha- you don't have the widest legs I've ever seen. Right, <laughs> that goes to my, my that Thank goes you, to my Brianna. partner. Thank who's you very much. Basically, see through. He's that white. Um, but actually, I haven't found the fashion is good. I'm like seeing people enjoying themselves. Everyone just looks a bit better in the sunshine. It looks like everyone's having 
having an okay time. But I will say for dogs and cats, make sure you're not walking them on hot concrete. Make sure you've got elderly people in a cool place. Look after the vulnerable people. But yeah, if you're not part of that vulnerable group, get out in the sunshine and enjoy it with it, sunscreen on. Please. It's part of the problem, Brianna, that in this country, we really aren't set up for these temperatures, which are coming at us so quickly. Last month, we had those records being set. We're now this heat wave. This wasn't meant to be a full heat wave, but now it looks like it's heading towards one. And we're going to have to get used to it in all parts of the Northern Hemisphere because this is what's happening with climate, something you're very used to in your part of the world. Yeah, we are used to extreme weather. That is part of our life. Um, but lads, what are you set up for? You're not set up for the snow, you're not set up for the rain, and you're not set up for the weather. So when does Ireland function? Mild weather. That's what we're <laughs> set up for. No extremes of cold, of heat, of wind, of wet. Just mild weather, right bang in the bland but middle. But it, it, is, it is a warning. You know, Ireland does need to be future-proofed. Water supply needs to be future-proofed. You need to look around, you know, water licences for, for irrigators and big farmers. Those are all conversations that we might have to have in the next five to ten years. And the serious point about all of this is we have seen over the last number of weeks, unfortunately, when we do get this weather, people behave, we've seen, you know, the, the scenes we had last night out in Dunleary with jet, people going around in jet skis, but also the more serious element of it is in which people, we don't cover up well and people don't protect, potentially protect themselves when going into the water. Yeah, like there is, that's how you pick a newly arrived Irish person in Sydney. It is the most lobster red person sitting on Bondi Beach because our sun is a lot stronger. And I, for the first time, actually, in the four years I've been here, today is the first time I really felt that bite in the sun. Um, so make sure you've got the Factor 50 on and you're reapplying every two hours. Like our mums would not let us swim. At least you have to wait 30 minutes before you get into the water. There's all kinds of rules. Uh, we're obsessive around sunscreen. Let's move on to another story, which is probably uniquely Irish. In fact, it is uniquely Irish. It's uniquely Kerry as well, which is the Puck Fair, which is going on in Clorglin in Kerry. And I don't know, who's best to describe this one? Brianna, try and describe this for you. Did you hear of this before? Uh, I had a nightmare yesterday. I had a foreign desk editor ring me and be like, oh, what can you, can you do us a story on, on what's happening in Ireland? You know, is the heat wave on it? People arguing about climate change. What's the big debate? And I'm like, well, actually, it's, uh, it's about this goat. He's like, yeah, right, a goat. Like, yeah, no, it's about this goat. Yeah, it's it's um stuck on this 40-foot, 50-foot uh, structure over a town. He's like, yeah, right, how, how did it get up there? I'm like, oh, the, the townspeople put it there. Why? I'm like, yeah, that's a really hard question. For, for a bit of crack, a bit of crack, and everyone's, everyone's worried about the goat's welfare. And having to explain that, uh, to me, it's like a, a quite normal concept. Like, yeah, why wouldn't you put a goat on and have a bit of a fair, have a good time? Charge, charge sure some money, the money-making opportunity. But it was really interesting to have to explain. There this. are a lot of concerns uh, have been, obviously, with the temperatures we're having for the welfare of the goat. And he has been taken up and down over the last number of days. Yeah. I can't get the, through this without laughing. The, the, the latest I saw was that he was back down again. Look, the goat is King Puck. Um, it's, the, it's the fair, it's the Puck Fair down in Calorglan and Kerry near um, the McGillicuddy Reeks in the mountainous region. And this, this goat is crowned the king of this town for the three-day festival. And they hoist him up. Uh, it's a real live, a wild goat by the way this isn't a, a farm goat this is a wild goat they capture in the mountains and, and they put it up on this platform and they hoist it up over the town and and it's a you know it, it really is a huge um, part of the tourist industry down there it's also a huge part of, of, of South Kerry tradition um, and what it's really played out as is an arena for um, I, I suppose is this a mini culture war between the Dublin media and the Dublin people <laughs> I was going to say this is where it's been Kerry pitched people. isn't it because it's been, on the, it's been on Live Line all week and we're talking about it I discussed it with Jerry O'Sullivan yesterday yeah. and a lot of people People do have genuine concerns in this weather for animal welfare. 
Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it wasn't happening in a heat wave in the middle of August, anyone would really care. I, I think it's a good excuse for people who like to give out about the Healy Rays, uh, the political family in Kerry, um, to shout at them. And it's a good excuse for them to shout about the people up in Dublin who don't really know what's going on. I mean, I can kind of see it from the Healy Ray point of view from one um, perspective. I mean, you know, people do get worried about their, their, their old traditions and things that they've always done and um, being cancelled because of criticism that they might see over the top. Um, but, you know, there are concerns. If you're going to hoist a, a wild goat on a metal platform 50 foot over a town in the middle of a heat wave. yeah, that's why he's getting hourly veterinary checks. Um, so look, just listen to the vet. It was the vet who said bring him down yesterday. It was the vet who okayed him to go back up last night. It was the vet who said bring him back down again today. Um, the goat is down. He'll be hoisted back up at some stage, I presume, today if the temperature's cool. He'll be dethroned. He'll no longer be the king of Calorglin. Um, and then he'll be set free to, 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 to roam the McGillicuddy Reeks again. I, I have to read this text out. <laughs> Ian, never mind calling the goat a king. He should be called the yo-yo been put up and down. <laughs> oh. Actually, some of the tabloid headlines today, I, th- I, I think on this, were, 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 were really brilliant. And, and the best one for me, which I think was in the Irish Daily Star, and it's a play on a, on, on a swear word, but there's not a swear word in this, and it said it's too puck king hot. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, I hope, let's, let's not get us into a complaint with the BAI over that one. Just on, just on it, Bianca, you, you again, as an outside observer on this one, what... what how, how would this go down in Australia? Because I presume there's local festivals that these things happen uh, at as well. Yeah, we've got our own set of weird events. But I have to say, like, having to explain to a man why uh, a goat was on a big platform was like one of the, how did my life get here? Do you know, kind of moments. Like, how did, what decisions do I make to, yeah. to end up here? But no, for me, it's perfectly normal. I've lived here four years. I'm kind of used to the eccentricity of Ireland. But I do enjoy that someone is like, yes, the line in the sand is the goat on the platform. I, I, that is the hill I will die on. They will not come from my traditions. This is where I stand. Uh, and I would rather be the king puck goat in a heat wave where it's nice and warm than the animals in the live animal crib outside the mansion house in Dublin at Christmas time when it's freezing. So look, I mean, I don't really see well, the they difference between the two. They do have their... Aren't they taken away at night time? Um, yeah, well, perhaps they're still out there, you know, you know, you know, in a little box on a city street in the cold all day long. I mean, look, I don't know. I think, I think people enjoy getting riled up about these kind of things. But I will say, though, like I have seen animals, unfortunately... Like we lost a bunny rabbit when I was a child because he was his his cage got a little bit too hot in the morning sun he heated up and he died and that was only twenty two degrees so this is a goat sitting on a metal scaffolding structure with no canopy over the top it is highly likely that if he had been left up there he might have died so there is there is some concern I believe you know I, I think that's a valid concern to have about about the goat seeing what animals do in hot temperatures between now and seven o'clock we will keep you fully up to speed on what's happening with with King Puck down in Clorglin in Kerry on that I know. A lot a lot of people actually are criticising the media for covering this as if this was some absolutely awful outrage. I'm pointing out, well, the animal, the animals in the mountains will also be suffering from 30 degree temperatures and will have no shelter or nobody bringing them any water and checking on their health whatsoever. Brianna Parkins and Mark Paul are staying with us. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. And you're welcome back to The Last Word. It's Ian Guider in for Matt today. Now, a story that broke just before we came on air this afternoon involves the author Salman Rushdie who faced years of death threats following the following a book he wrote in the 1980s. Now he was giving or due to give a speech in upstate New York but witnesses say that he was either stabbed or punched as he took the stage. Now we don't have any further details on that story. Mark Paul and Brianna Parkins are with us. Mark, 
I remember growing up and the fatwa that was in place against Salman Rushdie for many, many years. This is a man who led, led his life for decades, having to look over his shoulder every day, travel from different country to different country, not knowing where he would stay. And I think that was lifted several years ago and his life got back to somewhat of normality. Um, yeah, but the fatwa was originally actually issued by the Ayatollah Khomeini, who who, who died um, um, only a couple of years afterwards. Um, um, it's related to the book, The Satanic Verses, that he wrote, um, which many Muslims consider to be blasphemous. Um, uh, successive Iranian regimes have tried to distance themselves from it, but but some uh, an NGO in, in in Iran actually raised a bounty. There's a tr- there was a three million dollar bounty on his head as well. They raised a bounty a couple of years ago. Um, so look, we can't really speculate on exactly why um, he has. Been been attacked in upstate New York, but I think people are going to draw their conclusions. Um, um, I'm looking at a picture um, um, which the Washington Post has published um, from the event where people appear to be applying um, compression to a wound on Salman Rushdie, um, so it appears he may have been stabbed. Um, and look, all we can hope is that uh, is that he pulls through. Yeah, Brianna? Yeah, I mean, the Titanic Verses was sort of mandatory reading in university. It was what everyone knew. Um, you know, you kind of think that the extremism around it had died down, things had moved on, there had been new targets. Uh, so, so for this to happen years after that was published and years after the original fatwa is is almost un- shocking. It's, it's surprising. Maybe that's why it did happen. Maybe the security was loosened around him. I don't know. But it's in his future sort of recent years, you know, he had the, the celebrated marriage to the to the famous chef, um, sort of moved into the, the, the weird kind of celebrity realm away from that kind of strident, idealistic... Uh, platform he first started off on. So it's, re- again, really surprising this would happen now all these years later when he- everything has seemed to yep. have been mellowed out. And again, we've very few details on that story, but we will bring you the latest as soon as we get it. Let's move on because somebody who has been in the news this week quite a lot. In fact, I mentioned this to one of our contributors the other day. When you mentioned Donald Trump and all the things that he did in office, they were quite bad, quite a lot of them. But on his way out of office, something that appeared innocuous, not knowing which were the classified files or which weren't the files you were meant to take with you. And then to have his private office, his private safe, raided by the FBI in Florida over the last couple of days. We didn't know what was in the safe, but today we're getting a sense of it. It's quite staggering. Yeah, so this this is of all the things of all the things to be indicted over, fifteen boxes, fifteen boxes of records is is possibly the one thing we never saw coming. Um, but it's a really uh, it's a it's a strict requirement that all leaving presidents leave classified documents in their return to the National Archive. There's a really strict set of rules around it. The punishment for not doing so is quite high. So it's really, again, it's just sort of mind boggling that this is the thing that's going to be the undoing. But as an investigator said, as I was listening to the Guardian podcast there this morning on it, you only need one small indictment and then you can kind of wedge that sort of the door edge in and then you can wedge open the investigation with the other things that you found on the way. It could be though rather serious because we, we're, we're only getting reports of what some of the contents could be. Yeah, I mean I mean, there are reports that some of the contents included documents in relation uh, uh, to nuclear weapons and, and, and quite what he'd be doing with those stuffed in boxes, uh, uh, you know, down the back of his gaff. Just nobody seems to know. The import of this story and, and, and why it could be important is whether or not it has any impact on his ability to run again. There is a law in America that um, um, if uh, you breach this this law on official records, it stipulates, it states in the law that you are barred from holding further office. But most legal experts seem to agree that it wouldn't prevent Trump from running again because um, um, who can run 
for President of the United States isn't governed by legislation or Congress. It's governed by the US Constitution. And the US Constitution lays out a couple of a couple of things in relation to age and so on. And you must be a natural US born citizen. Um, but the, 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 the consensus amongst the legal experts seems to be that if this law is, tri- if Trump is convicted of, of, of something, if this law is attempted to be used to stop him from running from office, that any legal challenge would succeed. I kind of think to myself, you know, how did those nuclear secret documents containing nuclear secrets end up in your in your private safe? Like of all the things that you and could say why? to yourself, what were you doing with them? I mean, if that's if this is the case, but what on earth would he be thinking? Well, I was uh, again listening to this uh, congressional expert, sorry, presidential reporter expert. He, he studies presidents basically in their personalities and said that Trump likes to take souvenirs. He likes to take things from Air Force One. He likes to souvenir things, and like he probably thought this is great. My name is on like the nuclear code secret document. Like I think it's just a bit of a kick for him, basically. I'm hoping, I'm, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping he wasn't going to sneak in and then, you know, use it Mary for McKeown, purpose. Mary McKeown the other day did say he was a little light-fingered and I laughed at it and I thought, well, he's going around taking, again, little souvenirs yeah. and things, but the documents marked top secret classified, don't give to our enemies it might contain. They're not something you just take on the way out the door. Well, you kind of wonder, yeah, what was he going to do with them? Was he going to kind of, um, you know, frame them and put them up in the wall of some of the Trump hotels? Was he going to sell them on eBay? Was he going to, um, what was he going to do with them? Um, look, it's, 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 he's trying to portray this as a kind of a political attack on him, a politicised thing on him. He's had a really, really bad week. He also lost um, um, a court challenge in relation to another case taken about him, taken against him, and he also had to give a deposition in another case. Um, so look, he's, uh, he's busy in the legal field at the moment, um, but um, um, look, will he be busy in the political field again? Um, it seems he is looming still over every single candidate that is running um, in, in elections in the US. He still has pull. Um, um, he's, he's just about to knock Liz Cheney, it looks like, um, um, out of the running for, for, for Wyoming's only congressional seat because the Trump-backed candidate looks like it's going to beat her in the primary. He still has his grip on the Republican Party. He still has it. He hasn't let go. It's a bit like Boris Johnson. People just factor in the behaviour and brush it aside. Moving on now, let's go to something else, which is Domino's Pizza, a very famous pizza company available all around the world. And a bit like Starbucks, they kind of say to themselves, well, we have to be in every single country. And a bit like Starbucks, they went to Italy and Brianna in the home of pizza. They've not been a success. Yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting story. So seven years ago, they partnered with this platform called ePizza because there was a gap in the market. There wasn't really sort of a fast delivery option. This is before Deliveroo in 2015, um, before all those apps. So it provided, you know, it feel, did feel that kind of maybe drunk 3am, I'll call up Domino's and get something delivered kind of market going on in Italy or maybe the smaller local, you know, where the actual nice pizza uh, was probably closed and shut up for the, for the afternoon. And then, of course, the pandemic happened. And then you had all the delivery partners partnering with small local restaurants who provided superior produce, superior to products. And then suddenly people could get really nice pizza delivered to their doors and they had no more need for Domino's. So Domino's is really the victim of disruption here. And disruption is basically someone doing what you're doing, but better, easier or cheaper. And that's what's happened here. Italian pizza, when you go away, it is actually a lot different to what you get if you order from any of the big chains. Uh, 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 totally, particularly for down in, in South Italy or around Naples. I mean, I don't know how Domino's thought it was going to flog cheese filled crusts and, you know, pineapple top pieces to the Italians. You notice the cities that are 
it arrived in. It had 29 stores there. And um, the cities that it arrived in, Milan, Rome, Bologna, Turin, all in the north of Italy, they, they definitely didn't try down in southern Italy where they would have been run out of the place. Um, I mean, look, people have likened it to, to, to kind of, you know, trying to sell ice to Eskimos, all of that sort of stuff and Domino's going into Italy. You know, I think we have our own version of it here, like Weatherspoons has come in to try and sell <laughs> pubs to Irish people. Um, um, so look, that's our own national version of it. Um, look, it, it's, it's a fun story. Um, um, you know, the wider context is that in, in Ireland and Britain and in other countries, pizza home delivery, that whole market is booming. In Ireland, it is absolutely booming. And for a time, the busiest Domino's outlet in the world was in Tala in the square. That was officially recognised. The busiest it, in that the was, world. That was the busiest a number of years ago. And the Sunday Times reported on it when I worked there um, um, a number of years ago. The, the, in Tala, the Domino's in Tala was the busiest in the world. So we know what you're having for dinner tonight anyway. Mark Paul and Brianna Parkins, thank you very much for joining us on The Week Trending. Brianna, just an update. Today is officially the hottest August day in have Ireland. We, have we hit over 31.5? 31.7. That is pretty impressive, guys. Well I know done. Mark is just thinking, when I get out of the studio, it's going to be absolutely awful. You're probably not going to be sweating at all. No, the hottest day we had in Australia was 50.7 degrees. So 31.7. Like, I don't like, well done. <laughs> you had a crack. <laughs> Mark Paul and Brianna Perkins. Parkins, thank you very much for joining us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.